On this occasion of public confession of faith, we turn to 2 Corinthians 4 for our scripture reading. Second Corinthians chapter four. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience. In the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then, Death worketh in us, but life in you. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak. Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus, and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many Redound to the glory of God, for which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. The text that we consider is verse 13 of this chapter. We, having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, 
Whenever we suspect that speaking about our faith before men might lead to persecution or controversy or conflict of some kind, there's always the great temptation to remain silent and not to say anything at all about what we believe because we have the fear of men. But if we remain silent when we ought to speak, we know what our Lord Jesus said about that, that we are hiding our light under a bushel, and we ought not to do that. Therefore, we must pray that God will give us boldness to speak what we believe, to confess the faith that is in our hearts, and to do that before men, come what may so that we would be able to say with the Apostle Paul in our text, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. The Apostle Paul himself suffered great things because of his confession of the Lord Jesus Christ in the midst of the world. He tells the Corinthians about his sufferings in this epistle. In chapter 1, verse 8, he says, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. And yet, although the apostle and his companions suffered great things for their faith and for the gospel, he also expresses his hope. He does that in the passage we read in verses 8 through 10 where he says that we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. He then goes on to tell us in our text what was the reason for this hope that he had. The reason is that he had faith also. His hope was rooted in his faith. He quotes from Psalm 116 in our text. He says, as it is written, referring to Psalm 116, we having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak. That's essentially what you have told us today, Jesse. You have stood up among us, and you have said, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. So let's consider the text under that theme, therefore have I spoken, Notice, first of all, the faith that speaks. Secondly, the speaking that flows from that faith. And then thirdly, the congregation of us who speak by faith. In the midst of the troubles and trials of the Christian life in this world, we have faith as Christians. Just like the man who wrote Psalm 116 that is quoted in our text, which was probably King David. The psalmist 
expresses the fact that he was experiencing great troubles in his life, great afflictions, great sorrows. And yet, in the midst of them, he believed in the Lord, his God. And by faith, he spoke. What is faith? The apostle speaks about believing in the text. I believed, and therefore have I spoken. Believing is the exercising of faith. What is faith? Faith is the gift of God. It is a very precious gift. It is one of the most precious gifts of all. And we know that it is a gift that God gives to us and plants in our hearts. Notice in verse 13, the apostle says, we have the same spirit of faith. When he speaks of the spirit of faith, he could be referring to his human spirit. We human beings have a body and a spirit, a body and a soul. And our spirit is where faith resides. Faith is in the spirit. It's also possible that he is referring simply to the spiritual discipline of faith or the spiritual disposition of faith. But probably he refers to the Holy Spirit. Although in the King James, the word spirit is in the lower case, it's possible and I think likely that he's actually referring to the Holy Spirit of God. Because we know that faith is the fruit of the Spirit. It is the gift of the Spirit. So he says, we have the same Spirit of faith. That is, the Spirit who gives us faith, who works faith in our hearts. Not everyone has faith. The Apostle has spoken of that earlier in the chapter. He says in verse 3, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world, referring to the devil, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Now Paul himself was in that state at one time in his life. There was a time in his life when the God of this world had blinded his mind. He was a Pharisee. He hated Christ. He hated the church of Christ. He persecuted the church. And one day when he was on the road to the city of Damascus to persecute and imprison Christians, God appeared to him. Jesus appeared to him in a bright, blinding light. And Jesus bestowed the Spirit on Paul that day, so that he shined in his heart, to use the words of verse 6, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So faith in Jesus Christ is a gift of God bestowed upon us by the Holy Spirit and therefore something we are to be deeply thankful for. Faith is not something that we are able to achieve by our own ability. Faith is something God gives us and works in us, whom he loves. The Holy Spirit worked faith in Paul, and he has also worked faith 
in us who believe. He has given to us the eyes, the spiritual eyes, to see the things that we can't see with our physical eyes. That's faith. To use the words of Hebrews 11, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report through faith. We understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Faith is a confidence, a knowledge, a conviction about things not seen. Now the Apostle Paul could see many things, and he knew many things by seeing them with the physical eyes in his face. For one thing, the apostle could see the persecution that was now turned upon him. He who had once persecuted the church was now being persecuted as a part of the church. The apostle could see the faces of his enemies in the synagogue when he preached Christ to them and their faces became red with anger and fury when they pushed him out of the synagogue, when they stoned him nearly to death. He could see those things. He could feel that pain. He could hear that blasphemy of the name of Jesus. But what he could not see was God in heaven. He could not see Jesus sitting at his right hand. He could not see the Holy Spirit. He could not see the saints and angels that were in heaven except for on a couple of occasions when God gave him visions. The rest of the time he was not able to see those things, but he had faith. The substance or the confidence of things hoped for, things not seen. And so he says to the Corinthians in chapter 5, verse 7, we walk by faith and not by sight. The Heidelberg Catechism, our Reformed Catechism, says that faith is a certain knowledge by which we hold for truth everything that God reveals in his word. And secondly, an assured confidence by which we are certain that these gospel truths are not only for other people, but also for me personally. So that by faith we grasp hold of God and of Jesus Christ and We trust in him alone as our only hope in life and death. The apostle is particularly speaking about the faith in the Lord Jesus by which he is confident of salvation. He has just spoken of his great troubles and tribulations and then he says in verse 11, We which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. Paul believed in the midst of all of his troubles and sorrows and afflictions and near-death experiences that the Lord Jesus, who died for him on the cross and rose from the dead, 
would also by his power raise his body from the dead and give him everlasting life. And that's why he had hope. That's why he's able to say that we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed above measure. We are perplexed, and yet we are not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are cast down, but not destroyed, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. No matter what troubles we Christians experience, no matter how bad it gets in our life, We do not despair. We are not forsaken. We have hope. And that hope is rooted in faith, which is the gift of God. Jesse, that's what you have confessed today. You have confessed publicly to all of us. And don't forget, also before God and the angels of heaven, that you have that faith. Jesse, just like the Apostle Paul There are things that you know by the sight of your eyes, just like us. And you have to know that as you step forward in the Christian life, you might see things with your eyes that are very perplexing, that are discouraging, that are distressful. You will see troubles. You might even see some of the things that Paul saw the red, angry faces of those who don't appreciate your faith, who don't appreciate your confession. You might see persecution. But what you will not see, as long as you live in this world, is God. The Bible says that no man hath seen God at any time, nor can any man see God. He is the infinite and the absolutely invisible being. Nor can we see Jesus as long as we live in this world. He's sitting at the right hand of God in heaven. We cannot see the Holy Spirit, but we believe. I believe in God the Father. I believe in God the Son. I believe in God the Holy Spirit. By your confession today, you expressed that you believe yourself to be a sinner just like the Apostle, who confessed that he considered himself less than the least of all saints and the chief of sinners. That's our confession, that we know that we are sinners, that we deserve to perish. But I believe that Jesus Christ loves me, that he died for me on the cross, and that God's promise to forgive my sins will come true. I believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, the Lord and the Savior. And I cling to Him, and I cling to His cross, that old, blessed, rugged cross on which the Son of God shed His blood for me. And I trust in Him. I don't trust in any of my works or any of my worth or any of my accomplishments. None of it amounts to anything. I look to Jesus, and I trust in Him, and I believe that he rose from the dead and that he will raise my body from the dead. I've never seen a body rise from the dead. When it goes down into the grave, it stays there. And yet, I believe the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. And so we have hope in all our afflictions.
But the apostle doesn't merely speak about his faith in the text. He says, We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak. The faith of the heart must and will flow out of the mouth. The faith of the heart must express itself in the confession of our lips, and it does, and it will. When we speak, we must speak what we believe. We must not speak something that we don't believe. We must not speak something that is a lie. We must not try to con people or to trick people or to put on a charade. But we must speak what we sincerely believe in our hearts. And when we sincerely have faith, we will speak what we believe. Notice two things in this regard. In the first place, we who believe speak to the Lord in prayer. That first. We speak to the Lord. I believe, therefore I have spoken to the Lord in prayer. That was the original meaning of the statement in Psalm 116. When David wrote this psalm, as I mentioned earlier, he was going through a time of great affliction. It had brought him to the brink of death. He says this, The sorrows of death compassed me, and the pains of hell got hold upon me. I found trouble and sorrow. He was on the very brink of death and hell, but he says, I believed in God, and therefore I spoke to him. I called upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. Deliver my soul. Save me, O Lord. Save me. He spoke. And then he writes, I believed, therefore have I spoken. He means to say that when I was in deep distress, I cried out to the Lord. I spoke to the Lord. Spoke to my God that he would save me. And he did. He delivered me out of every trouble. And that's why he says in verse 1 of the psalm, I love the Lord. I love him. Do you believe in the Lord? Do you believe in God, the one true living God? Then you will speak to him in prayer. The faith of your heart will bubble forth and you will speak to God out of that faith. Whenever you have trouble and sorrow in your life, whenever you have disappointments and loneliness, whenever you have sickness or depression, whenever you experience doubts or fears in this life, worries, you will speak to the Lord. That speech might not be heard by anybody else except the Lord. He might be the only one who hears it because that speaking is going on inside your mind. But that speaking of the mind is heard. It's heard by the Lord. If you believe in him, you will speak also in all the routines of life, not only when you have troubles and sorrows and afflictions, 
but also every day when you get up in the morning. I believe, therefore I have spoken to the Lord this morning. I believe, therefore I have spoken to the Lord before I eat my lunch and my supper, before I go to bed at night, as I'm driving down the road. Whenever the Lord comes to my mind, I speak to him. I pour out my heart to him. Whenever I'm dealing with challenges at work or at home, in my relationships with my parents, with my siblings, with my friends, whenever I'm out and about and experience problems, I speak to the Lord. If you believe, then you will recognize the great value of prayer. You will recognize in this day and age in which so many people are falling away from faith, forsaking the truth, walking away from the church, people who do not pray, you will recognize the great preciousness of developing good habits of prayer in this fast-paced society in which we live, where we're constantly on the go, constantly we have stress, constantly we have things to do, you'll recognize, I need to stop and speak to my Lord in prayer. I believed, and therefore I have spoken. But there's more. In the second place, the Apostle Paul takes hold of that statement of David in Psalm 116, and he applies it in his own experience in 2 Corinthians 4. And what the apostle means to say is that he believes and therefore he speaks to others about the Lord. Not only does he speak to the Lord, but he speaks to others about the Lord. Indeed, as an apostle, he preached the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He speaks of that in the passage. He speaks of the glorious gospel of Christ in verse 4. In verse 5, we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. As a believer, you don't always talk about yourself. You don't always speak about your own interests, your own joys and pleasures, but you speak about Jesus Christ the Lord and our servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of the darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. He says, I'm just an earthen vessel. Just a clay pot. The excellency is not in me. The glory and the power are of God and not of us. I believed, and therefore I have spoken the gospel. Paul says. You see, when you are a believer, you cannot but speak the things you have come to know. That's what Paul is saying here in the text. He's saying what Peter and John also experienced in Acts chapter 4, 19 and 20, when they stood before the Sanhedrin and they were told, do not speak about Jesus anymore. And Peter and John said to the Sanhedrin, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. 
They could not but speak. They could not hold it in. It bubbled out. It sprung forth from their hearts. They had to tell everybody the good news of Jesus Christ. And so is it with all believers. We are not all preachers of the gospel called to stand up here in the pulpit and to preach what we believe. By the way, though, anyone who speaks in this pulpit ought to be a believer. And what a horrible plague it is when a man stands in front of the church and doesn't even believe what he preaches. We need preachers who believe what they say and who practice what they preach. But we're not all called to stand up here in the pulpit. And yet, we are all called as believers to speak whatever opportunities we have. Jesse has done that in a special way. When she asked to come to the consistory, she wanted to speak. She felt an inner compulsion to speak her faith. She wants to become a confessing member of this church, so she asked to come to the consistory. And she came before myself and the elders, and we asked her what she believes, and she told us very beautifully what she believes. She believes, and therefore she has spoken. That's why she stood up in the worship service today before her family and friends. And when I asked her, do you acknowledge the doctrines of the Old and New Testaments, the doctrines preached in this Christian church, do you believe those are the true doctrines of salvation? She said, yes. And when I asked her, are you willing to submit yourself to the government of Christ? Do you want to follow Christ in your life? She said, yes. And when I asked her, will you reject all heresies that are contrary to the gospel? She said, yes. And will you live a new and godly life? Yes. I believe. Therefore, I have spoken. We who have a sincere faith in our hearts will speak what we believe. We do that every time we come together in the worship service. When we take the Psalter in hand and we speak to each other in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, we're speaking what we believe. And although we don't say the words of the Apostles' Creed all together in unison, when the minister says them, we speak those words, I hope, in our hearts. We speak what we believe. And when the minister preaches the truth, we say in our hearts to that truth, Amen. I agree. I believe that. We speak what we believe in our hearts. In the catechism classes and the Bible studies, there we have more opportunity to speak with our lips and to say to one another what we believe. In our family as well, when we gather around the dinner table at night for family devotions, We open up the Bible and we read a portion of the Word of God. We speak to each other what we believe. We do that too, don't we, when we socialize on the weekends? We don't suppose that Sunday is the day for faith and the weekends are the time for us to enjoy all the sins of the world. But even when we get together on the weekends and we socialize with each other at the restaurant and at each other's houses, We speak what we believe to each other. We speak about our faith. I have believed, and therefore 
I have spoken. The things that we want to speak about the most are the things that matter the most. What matters most to you? That's what you speak about the most. But not only do we speak to one another, we also have to speak to those outside the church, to our neighbors. Again, we're not all apostles. We're not missionaries. But we are Christians. We are believers. And as such, we have the calling to be a witness of Jesus Christ in the world around us. We cannot but speak to our neighbor as the opportunity presents itself to us. What we have come to know and believe. I say we cannot but speak unless we are ashamed of the gospel. If we are ashamed of the gospel, then we can find a way not to speak. That's our old man of sin holding us back, restraining us, trying to persuade us, don't speak, don't speak. You might be persecuted. They might hate you. They might mock you. The workplace will become a very awkward place. You don't want that. Just keep your mouth closed. Just stay silent. But when the Lord gives us boldness and courage to overcome those fears and to discover that what I treasure most in my life is Christ, not my own comfort level, not that I have a comfort zone all the time, but Christ, and I want to speak about Christ to others. When God enables us to overcome our fears, we cannot but speak the things that we have come to know. When we're sitting on the airplane next to someone who does not know God, and a little conversation opens up, and we discover that. When we're at work, and there are people who do not know God, Even when we go on vacation, we ought not to have the mentality, now I'm on vacation from my faith as well. I'm going to get away and have a little entertainment and leisure. But everywhere we go and wherever we are, as we have opportunity, we want to be able to say, I believed, therefore I have spoken. True faith is a fountain from which confession flows. Let's remember the words of our Lord in Matthew 10. Whosoever shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. When our hearts overflow with gratitude, we long to speak, as David writes in Psalm 116, What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, truly I am thy servant. I am thy servant and the son of thine handmaid. Thou hast loosed my bonds. I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. Finally, we take note that when we speak our faith, we do that as a member of the great congregation. The Apostle Paul did not speak all by himself. He says in the text, we 
having the same spirit of faith. We also believe and therefore speak. He numbers himself as part of a congregation, part of a larger body of believers. The Christian religion is not individualistic. It's not just me and God. The Christian religion places us in a congregation of believers, and we need each other. The apostle himself went on these missionary journeys and preached everywhere he went, but he was never alone. On the first missionary journey, Barnabas went with him. On the second, Silas went with him. And he was joined by Timothy. He was joined by Luke. He was joined by a whole host of others, Aristarchus and others. He had this body of companions going with him. And so he says, we, we, not me. He couldn't do it alone. None of us can. What an encouragement it is to be part of the congregation, a church family. Now, yes, in a certain sense, we do all stand alone and must be willing and ready to stand alone. I say in a certain sense, there is an individual relationship that we have with God through Christ. And we do have to be willing and ready to stand alone. There was a church father named Athanasius. And he stood for the truth of the Trinity in the early church. But the whole world practically was against him. So that the phrase was actually coined, Athanasius contra mundum. Athanasius against the world as he took a stand for the truth, and he was greatly persecuted for it. But most of the time, and even for Athanasius, most of the time, most of us need companions, fellow saints, to stand with us, to support us, to encourage us, and to confess with us. The word confess itself means to say together with others. We are to speak together with God and with each other. We are not alone. And Jesse, as you make your confession today, you stood there by yourself, but you're not alone. You have us. We speak with you. We support you. We encourage you. And we make the same confession that you made all together. And still more, When the Apostle says, we have the same spirit of faith, the question there is, the same as who? It's possible that he's referring to the Corinthians in the church that he's writing to, saying to them, we, I and my companions, we have the same faith that you have, Corinthian Christians. And there, too, is a great encouragement. We are a congregation And what a blessing to have each other. But we're not alone as a congregation. We're just one congregation. And we can say about other congregations around us, we have the same spirit of faith as they do. We can say that about our sister churches around the world as well as all true churches. We have the same spirit of faith. We have each other. But one more possibility. 
when he says we have the same spirit of faith, he could be referring not only to his companions and other congregations, but he could also be looking backward into the past to David, who wrote Psalm 116, and saying, we today have the same spirit of faith that David had hundreds of years ago. And that, too, is a tremendous comfort. We who are the church today in the present world with all of the advancements in culture and civilization, all of the apostasy from the truth in these troubled and distressful times, we are not alone, but we sit on the shoulders of giants. We sit on the shoulders of the church of the past. We follow in their footsteps having the same spirit of faith that they had. We walk in an illustrious line that is populated with Noah and Moses and Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, David and Solomon, Isaiah and Jeremiah, the apostles of Jesus and the saints throughout all ages. We stand with millions of men and women and children whose names we do not even know. Let their faithfulness encourage us to be faithful so that when we come to the end of our life, we'll be able to say, I believed, therefore have I spoken. Amen. Our Father which art in heaven, We give thanks to thee for the gift of faith, a precious gift. We thank thee that through faith we know that we have salvation through the precious blood of thy own Son. We give thanks for the confession of faith that we have witnessed today. We pray that it might encourage each of us in our own pilgrim journey, that we might be strengthened in our faith, that we might strive also to speak, to confess before men what is in our hearts. Go with us each as we go our homeward way. Be with us in the week to come. In Jesus' name.